Welcome everyone to Over and Back. Uh, my apologies. It's been it's been three weeks, I think, since I recorded last. Uh, you know, we had some cancellation games the week before Christmas, and then it was the week after Christmas. So there wasn't a whole lot of go- games going on. There were some games we'll talk to them in a bit. So that's why I've been gone for three weeks. People, I, somebody came up to me and said, "When's the next podcast coming?" I haven't heard anything lately. I'm like, "Well, we had the cancellations. I, I the last recording was the 21st, and then a bunch of games on the 23rd, I think, got canceled. And then it was the week of Christmas, and there was a couple tournaments which we'll talk about." And then finally, we got back at it this past week with a bunch of games, Tuesday, Friday. So, well, you know, we're going to discuss the power rankings and the FEA and, and some games and what, what has happened since. So let's just highlight some of the games that took place over Christmas break that were just maybe surprising head scratchers. Let's leave with the head scratcher. Appleton East lost to a Schwabanon by 18 points. We're going to get to Appleton East once we get in the actual power rankings of the FEA. Appleton East lost to a Schwabanon by 18. And I'm not saying that Schwabanon's a bad team. But I don't think anyone expected them to beat Appleton East by 18. There was the WBY tournament down uh, at Concordia. I was there for this. I was there for these two games. DePier against Brookfield East. DePier destroyed Brookfield East. More on DePier in a bit. And then Oshkosh North played Wisconsin Lutheran. And Oshkosh North beat Wisconsin Lutheran. So let's just talk about DePier real quick. DePier is good. DePier is good. They are the best team in the state, Division One. I believe I'd said previously that Wisconsin Lutheran was the best team of all divisions. It Wisconsin Lutheran's missing some kids right now, so they lost. They, that's why they lost to Oshkosh. One of the reasons they lost to Oshkosh North. But DePierre is amazing, and they got Gabe Herman back now, who's one of their best defenders. I, he looked a little, you know, he 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 had a knee issue from football, so he look he's gonna have to get his back, his legs back, and you could tell that he wasn't moving hundred percent. But by all accounts, come March, he's going to be 100%. This team is not going to get beat. I, I do not see a scenario where this team is going to get beat. And they've got Wisconsin Lutheran in God, when, the 14th. When's the 14th? They, they play this Saturday. I just realized. They played this. DePier plays Wisconsin Lutheran this Saturday. And Wisconsin Lutheran is missing Josh Knippel, who I believe broke his wrist. I think he's out for the year. And then Landon Key has been out with a hip issue. The Landon Key injury is big. Like, that's big to me. I think you can survive. No offense to Josh Knippel. It's another shooter off the bench. But Landon Key... Losing him is a, is a big deal, and you saw it against Oshkosh North. Just to rewind real quick, so DePierre throttles Brookfield East. I didn't expect that. I know Brookfield East is missing, I think, their best player. Rux is a great coach. I thought Rux would keep it somewhat close. It was like a 40-point demolishing. DePierre is that good. DePierre is that good. And, we'll, and we're going to circle back on this DePierre-Wisconsin Lutheran stuff probably in a bit here. So Oshkosh North beats Wisconsin Lutheran that night by, I think, 12-ish. Okay, this is what it took. So mind you. Oshkosh North, I believe, had lost three games at this point in a row. They had, they had lost to Kimberly, bad loss. They lost to Fond du Lac. Fond du Lac's a pretty good team. We'll talk about them when we get to the power rankings. And then they lost to Wauwatosa West, who by all accounts is a pretty good D2 team. So not awful, but like the Kimberly loss is glaring. But the, the Oshkosh North has not looked good this year. They just We've touched on it before. And I've never seen Oshkosh North look better than they looked against Wisconsin Lutheran. And I came away from that game thinking to myself, this team could go to state. If this team plays like this, this team will go to state. Clark was the best he's been all year. Mitchell was was great on both ends. And the role players hit shots. And that's that's what it's going to take for this team. And we've seen a bunch of not that going, you know, from the beginning of the season where they have not looked good. They've got a lot of losses. And we'll get into more of them as we get to the power rankings. But that night when they played Wisconsin Lutheran, it was the it was the Probably the perfect game, or close to the perfect game. I'm not sure they could have played much better. Combine that with a very, very subpar con Knipple game. 
Uh, probably the worst he's looked all year. And let me just, there's there's a difference in playing bad and shooting bad. Khan played well. Khan plays the game of basketball well. He did not shoot the ball well. I think he was three, three for 11 from three. I think he was like six for 22 or six for 23 overall. He did not shoot the ball well. He played well. He still sees the floor well. He still makes the correct passes. He still hustles on defense. He still goes and gets boards. He just did not shoot the ball well. So it took this perfect storm of, of both these teams playing a certain way for Oshkosh North to beat Wisconsin Lutheran. And if you follow my power rankings, theunintentional.com, they're updated every Sunday, you would have seen that I bumped up Oshkosh North to number two ahead of a Fond du Lac team that they lost to. Because I just thought to myself, this team can go to state if they play like this. They can go, they can go to state. And again, we're going to get back to Oshkosh North when we get to the power rankings. But I came away from that night thinking that's the team that I was expecting to see at the beginning of the year. That's the team I thought was going to win the FEA. That's the team that I had ranked number one going into the FEA season. And that, that was... that. Proved it to me that night. I'm like, this is the team. This is the team that I wanted to see. And then the last game we had was a makeup game between Nina and Hortonville. And Nina, Nina beats Hortonville by about, uh, I believe they beat them by like 10. So let's get into the power rankings. So now we will cover the power rankings uh, based on what has happened, obviously, all year. And then based on what has happened over the past week. Again, theunintentional.com. I update them every Sunday. They're there for you. So what I think what I'm going to do is, what the format of this is just kind of go forward is, I'm going to, we're just going to go, we're going to start at one. We're going to recap the games they won. We'll talk about the team. We'll talk about the wins, losses, whatever. And then we'll go, we'll go all the way down, the, down the, uh, the rankings and see how we end up. So Nina is one in the power rankings. They are 8-3 and three overall. They are 6-0 and oh in the FEA. They're six wins in the FEA, Appleton East, Appleton North, Appleton West, Hortonville, Kimberly, and they beat Oshkosh North uh, this past week. So they played Kimberly on Tuesday and it really was not much of a game. It they were they, that game was you could say that game was away in the first put away in the first three or four minutes. Now Kimberly cut it close. I think I shouldn't say close. Cut it to within like ten, a couple times, but it, but it really wasn't much of a game. It it was over pretty quickly. So Nina beats Kimberly last Tuesday, Friday night. Nina plays Oshkosh North at home, and Nina wins by I think twelve, and they were up. I believe they were up the whole game again, led from start to finish. Uh, got got a great game from one of the role players. And there's a few things that I thought about. First off, Nina, so far, yes, you're proving me wrong. So everyone who, who was yelling at me or complaining to me about how, how the hell could I have Nina only fifth in the FEA, whatever, I get it. Right now you are proving me wrong. I, I understand. I'm taking the L on that one so far. We, had a long, we have a long season left, but as of now, I was wrong. I was wrong about Nina. I sat there and I watched the game, and I sat there, I sat there Tuesday I went to the Kimberly game, Kimberly-Nina game Tuesday, and then I watched the Oshkosh North-Nina game on Friday on TV. I had, a bunch of, I had a few games on at the same time. And I sat there watching this Nina team, and I just thought to myself, this is the best team in the FEA. This is the best team. And I just, it was so hard for me to just, I don't want to say accept that, but just kind of look at it and be like, this is the best team in the FEA. You've got to be kidding me. And I, have, I know I have said this for the last year or so, Okay, and, and, I, and it came in my head again on Friday. The class of 22 was so loaded. And I just compared last year to this year, and I'm like, this is insane. So if you haven't done it, look at the Nina team from last year and look at the Nina team from this year. It is glaringly different, all right? You had Piter, who's at lacrosse. You had Carter Thomas, who's at Oshkosh. Eli Schmidt, solid player. Matt Young, a great defender. Obviously, Corso was the 
the same. He he started last year and he's playing this year. And then Chevalier Army, who's at Merrimack. All right. Now you've got a completely different team aside from basically Corso. And I know you have Klesman who's going to Green Bay, and you got Schloman who played last year a bit, and Swanson who played that a, a bit. But if you think that this team is even close to how good that team last year was, you are crazy. So it was so hard for me to watch this team and be like, this team is undefeated in the FEA. This is the best team in the FEA. And I just had flashbacks of last year's team, and I'm like, this FEA is bad. It's it's bad. And so I asked a bunch of people that I trust that have watched the FEA, FEA for years, and I'm like, is this the worst the FEA has been in, like, a long time. Like I'm talking 10 plus years. Like, can you, can you think of another time that the FEA was this bad? And I talked to, I talked to people who know the FEA well, and they 100% agreed. Like they're like, this is the bad, this is as bad as it's been in at least 12 years, at least 12 years. The FEA has not been, the, this, this is as bad as it's been. And it's, it's okay. It's not a rip on anyone. It's just, it is what it is. Classes fluctuate from year to year. Some kids are like that 22 class was loaded. The drop off from last year, basketball in the FEA to this year is glaring and very noticeable. And the one thing, the other thing I thought about, and the other thing I realized about this FEA this year, and what's kind of playing out, this has nothing to do with talent. This is this is a coaches conference right now. This has all everything to do with the coaching. If you don't think Lee Rubis is one of the best coaches in the state of Wisconsin, I can't help you out. What he is doing with this Nina team is incredible. I again Look at the difference from last year's Nina to this year's Nina. It is they last year's Nina team would destroy, absolutely destroy this year's Nina team. And what Lee Rubis is doing with this team is is amazing to me. And I just realized I'm like this this conference is shaping up to be all about all about coaching and not about talent. And we're gonna get into it more as we go through the power rankings because we're gonna get some teams that have talent and they're not performing well. And I'm just like this is this is about coaching. And I and I said it to a buddy of mine. He's like, yeah, this. That's what it. That's what it sure is looking like right now. So, nonetheless, Nina is number one in the FEA, and kudos to them for proving me wrong so far. I still don't think they're going. I can't imagine they'd go undefeated in the FEA. I don't know. It's such. It is such a mess. This FEA is is such a mess. But, but shouts go to to Lee Rubis for for doing a phenomenal job coaching this team. They they are they are a well oiled machine on offense and defense. They. I don't know. I know they lost to Brookfield Central in the last couple of weeks, but Brookfield Central is a top a top five or six team in this state. I, I just it's the coaches are driving the success in the FEA right now. So Nina's number one. Number two, Hortonville. I, I dropped Oshkosh North, and we'll get to them in a bit. Uh, Hortonville's number two. Hortonville went into Appleton East on Friday night and throttled throttled them. Twenty four point victory from Hortonville. All right, this has nothing to do with any Hortonville kids or any of this team. And that's why I went to coaching and talent. I don't know if they have a college basketball player that plays meaningful minutes on their roster. I don't know. And when I say college basketball, I, talk, I, I mainly mean like we're talking WEAC players, we're talking D2 scholarship players, okay? I'm not talking low-level D3. I'm sorry, I just that's not what I'm considering when I say basketball players, college basketball players. I don't know if Hortonville has a college basketball player on their roster or that is playing meaningful minutes right now. And they beat Appleton East, who has two kids that are going D2, two D2 scholarship players. They beat him by 24. That That's a bad loss for Appleton East. That's a bad, bad loss. I understand losing to Hortonville. I don't know how you lose by 24 at home on a Friday night. Appleton East has got some of the best fans in the FEA. 
and Friday nights like basketball night. Like everyone gets jacked up going to basketball games. How do you play that bad on a Friday night at home? Uh, it's it's bad. And Hortonville's I, I Hortonville's good. They're they're well coached. They know what they're doing. They play hard. I still think their rebounding is bad or bad at times. They they do have some talent. I'm not saying they don't have any talent at all. I'm just saying if you look at them and you watch at them, you're like, well, there's, there's not a, like this not it's not a roster full of tons of college basketball players. It's just not. So Hortonville's number two. Hortonville is number two in the FEA in my power rankings. Number three, Final Act. Final Act six and one in the FEA. Record wise, they're in second in the FEA, but they lost to Hortonville, so they're they're going to be behind Hortonville in the in the power rankings. Final Act beats um, Kakana and Waukesha South and Appleton North this past week. They're good again. Not a team that's filled with filled with a bunch of of college basketball players. I, I know Jamari Dalton's a very very good basketball player. Does he have any offers? I'm not sure he does. Go look at like all these, and I know it's not all about rankings and things like that, but. Is there one kid on Final Act that's on any of Miller or Flood's rankings besides Dalton? Is there? Are any to go back to Hortonville? Are there any of Hortonville's kids on any of the rankings? I know probably some underclassmen are, but none of the senior. I don't think any of the seniors really are. So Final Act's number three. They're they're a solid they're a solid solid basketball team, and they play Nina this week. Uh, next, they play Nina on Friday. That that's going to be a game to watch. That that's a game that that would put the FEA on notice the game against Nina Friday. So I have Final Act 3. Number 4 is Oshkosh North. I don't know what to do with this team. There's a couple teams I don't know what to do with. I had this team number 1 at the beginning of the season. I had them 2 last week after they beat Wisconsin Lutheran. I thought they looked amazing. They have two D1 basketball prospects, college basketball prospects. Two of them. Two D1 players. And they can't seem to get their shit together. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, it's it's frustrating watching this team. They they should be better. When you have two D1 players, and I know their depth has always been a question. I've said that. I've, I worry about their depth. Your two D1 players with a little bit of structure, a little bit of help of some of your role players, I just don't get how they lose some of these games. They are 4-3 and three in the FEA. They've lost three FEA games. They're 7-5 and five overall. They have some decent losses. I get it. Or, uh, yeah, they've got some decent losses. They lost to Pewaukee. That's tough. Wauwatosa West again is good. Nina's Nina's a solid team. I get it. Oshkosh North should not lose to Nina. They just shouldn't. Nina should have no one that can stop Clark and have no one that can stop Mitchell. So I said in my power rankings, I'm about at the end of my rope with this team. I, I just don't, they, you just don't trust them. There's teams that you trust and don't trust, and I essentially don't trust the entire FEA. I don't trust Nina. I, I still think their losses are coming. But Oshkosh North at four, it's just it's just disappointing. I, I thought they had turned the corner. I thought this is the team, and then they just, just shit. They almost lost to Kakana. They almost lost to Kakana on Tuesday as well. They went to overtime with Kakana. It's, I just don't get it. Five is Kimberly. I moved Kimberly up, and we'll talk about tears at the end of this. But I moved Kimberly. I'm I'm done with a couple. Te- I'm done with a couple teams. I moved Kimberly up, and I don't know how I right. They they lose to. They had lost to Nina and they and appear. They beat Appleton West, but I just think they're better than Appleton East. I think they're better than Kakan and the other teams. And I and I really don't have a reason for for putting them in them five. They're still not great on defense. Teams can can score on them at will. I, I still think they need a second a secondary scorer behind Myron. And I'm not saying that there has to be a specific secondary scorer. I just know they need one that they can rely on. They don't have that, so it's just a tough spot in the power rankings right now. Appleton East, Appleton East is six. I would love not to rank Appleton East. I would love it. I don't. 
that loss was so bad and to Hortonville. Again, not losing to Hortonville, but the way you lose to Hortonville, that loss was bad. Appleton East is six and six overall. They are three and three in the FEA. Most by far the most disappointing team in the FEA this year. Number seven is Kakana. Another week, another two losses. Now, they did lose to Oshkosh North and they did lose to Final, like two very good teams. I just they they gotta play defense. They've got to find a way to play defense at some point. They just do. And at this point, I don't think it matters that they don't have a live stream because, number one, I don't think anyone's watching the live stream, and number two, I don't think anyone's going to the games at this point. So Kakana needs, needs to be better. They're just, they've, been, they're just, they've been disappointing. It is what it is. Number eight, Appleton North. Get their first win in the FEA last week over Oshkosh West. Uh, this, they're, they're playing a, y- a lot of young kids, which is great for these young kids. They're getting some valuable experience. This team's going to be really good in the next few years. They are. They're, uh, they're going to be exciting to see in about two years. I still think they've got an upset coming. I still think they're they're going to have a game where they just shoot lights out and they beat someone. I think it's coming. They've got Hortonville and Kimberly uh, this week. Hortonville tomorrow night, Kimberly Friday. I think those could be two possible possible wins. You never know how it shakes out. Oshkosh West is nine. Two more losses. They lost to Appleton East and Appleton North. But they're in nine because they beat Appleton West. And Appleton West is going to stay in the 10th spot as punishment for losing to Oshkosh West. I'm sorry, Oshkosh West, but you just, you're just not that great of a team. And I still think Appleton West has more talent. And again, this is, the, this is what I've been saying. This conference is shaping up to be all about coaching and not talent. I'm sorry. It is what it is. But this is a punishment for Appleton West. They're going to sit in this, tenth, in this 10th spot until they beat someone else in the FEA. So it's up to them how long they want to, they want to sit in this 10 spot and they probably don't give a shit they might not even listen to this podcast so it might not even matter but i'm just telling the listeners that appleton west is in this basement until they decide they want to beat someone else in the fea so i kind of hinted before i really almost wanted to do tiers in for these rankings it would be if i could put these teams in tiers it's just a little bit easier but i was like you know what that's not this is a tough job to do you gotta you gotta rank these guys so if if i'm doing tiers just to let this is my thought right now nina's in a tier of itself they're undefeated I know that you know Final Lake only has one loss. We're gonna, that's this is going to shake out on Friday because they play each other Friday. Nina's in tier one, tier two. I think it's Hortonville, Fond du Lac, Oshkosh North. As much as I ha- am almost fed up with Oshkosh North, I think the second tier is Hortonville, Fond du Lac, Oshkosh North. Your third tier is Kimberly, Appleton, East Kakana. That's that's your third tier, and I, 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 you could throw those teams in a hat. We're, I think we're going to see. I think Kimberly plays Appleton East. Yeah, they play Appleton East this week. Uh, tomorrow night, I think they play. So you're going to see how that shakes out. But I think Kimberly Appleton East Kakan are in another tier. And then the bottom tier right now is Appleton North, Oshkosh West, and Appleton West. So I think that's that makes more sense to me, tiers. It's tough. It's getting tougher and tougher each week that these teams are playing other teams and starting to play each other more. It's not easy going 1 to 10. So when you do tiers, kind of like that, kind of gives you a, a breakdown of where these where these teams kind of, in my opinion, where these teams kind of break down and shake out with a little kind of a, a tiers section, I guess, if you will. So to recap power rankings, you've got Nina, Hortonville, Fond du Lac, Oshkosh North, Kimberly, Appleton East, Kakana, Appleton North, Oshkosh West, Appleton West. Again, my opinion. You don't have to agree with me. This is my opinion. I'm just I'm just giving you my power rankings, and I'm talking about what I see. I, I watch a lot of these games. I'm not going to a lot of these games. I sit down Friday night. I sat down. I had Nina and Oshkosh North on the big screen. I had Hortonville, Appleton East on my second TV. I had Kimberly... And Appleton West on my computer for a little bit, and then I switched over to Kakana Fondalek. So I'm trying to get, I don't watch every play of all these games, but I'm trying to watch enough to get enough knowledge and info that I can come on here and talk about it somewhat, somewhat, 
somewhat intelligently. And to me, just to just to reiterate this, I just I'm, I really believe that this is starting to be a a coaches conference. This the, this the way this is shaking out is is coaching more than anything. The, despite the talent that we are seeing, some D one, some D two kids, I think the coaches are driving how these teams are are really succeeding. And it's interesting because I don't. It's about a month ago. There's a guy that I talked to, basketball guy, knows basketball real. Not an FEA guy. He's he's not in this area. And he asked me. He just I think he was just picking my brain, whatever. He said. Do you think coaches or players um, have more effect on on how successful a team is? What what what's the driving factor? Coaches and players, and there's not a right or you know after I think about it over and over and over again, there's not a right or wrong answer. It, I, every scenario is different. Sometimes you've got great players and you need great coaching. Sometimes you have the opposite. It's tough in the FBA right now. The answer is coaching. Like I I, I think I texted them. It might have been yesterday. I said the answer is coaching. <laughs> it is it is one hundred percent the answer is coaching right now. Um. But you can have ta- like you can have talented teams. You can have a you have to have talent. I mean, you can have the most talented teams in the world. But if you do not have coaching, they may fall short of what they could possibly do. Now, on the flip side, you can have amazing coaching, but if you do not have talent, it it makes it a lot tougher. That you know, that's just that's my opinion. It's again, every scenario is kind of different. But where I'm at with this FEA, I just I had texted to him. I said, the FEA is a disaster. The answer is coaching. And before anyone gets upset, any of these teams, or maybe some of these coaches are listening, and maybe these coaches are going to get mad that I'm saying some of this stuff, okay? I'm not sitting here telling you that I could do your job better. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not telling you that I am that I would come in the FEA and be the most amazing coach ever. I am merely an outside voice that is watching these games, and this is what I am observing. I am observing that coaching right now is driving how successful these teams in the FEA are. And if you look at the standings and you look at the talent levels of these teams, it it proves it. It 100% proves it how it is right now. Uh, a couple other observations around the uh, world of basketball. These officials, oof, I know officiating stuff, and I know they're short officials, and it's and it's you know what, and I'm I'm feeding into this about complaining about officials, but these officials need to get their flops under control, and it starts at the top with Nina. That team flops so much. And I don't know. And they seem to get every. They seem to get every call at this point. They seem every time there's a Nina kid on the on the ground, it's a charge, and it needs to get under control because it's getting out of hand. And it it sets a tone in some of these games where everyone just starts flopping. Then right, no matter if you're in position or whatever, you get near someone, you're just kind of flailing your arms up and and you go down, and it's just it's bad. So I would if there's one thing that I wish officials could get under control more and it is it is the flopping and just call them no calls just just don't call it i mean i know there's some that are obvious obvious charge calls i i get it but anything that's like a 50 50 call just don't even call it just do not let these kids mimic what they are seeing on tv because it's it's out of hand and the one other thing i wanted to touch on and i think i mentioned it earlier but this is where i'm at now as far as best teams in the state depeer's the best team in the state i had someone I don't know if I mentioned on the, I must have mentioned in the past that I said Wisconsin Lutheran was the best team uh, in all divisions, the best team in the state. And without without Landon Key, without Josh Knippel, they're definitely they're definitely not. And I think someone someone apparently I'm, I someone and I don't think I did it on a podcast, but I must have said by far they are the best team at some point. I apologize if I did say that they are not. Wisconsin Lutheran is not by far the best team in the state. Depeer is the best team in the state. That that that's a fact. I do not see them losing. I wish. I hope Landon Key is playing this Saturday. I, that's a game. I think that'll be a very, very good game if he is playing. I think DePierre is going to win. 
They've just got so many weapons, and they, you know, there's just so many things that you don't notice uh, when you watch them. You have to really, really pay attention. But their defense is so good; they they are everywhere. And you know, we talked about it the last podcast. They had played Kimberly, and Kimberly kept it close that first half. You know, Seth hit some tough shots in the first half. Seth took two two shots in the second half. He just couldn't get shots off because DePierre just cranked up their defense. Their defense is so good. So I don't think DePierre is going to get beat this year. I mean, I know they play a pretty good schedule, obviously, but I don't think they're going to get beat. So I'm looking. I pulled up the sectionals now. Let's just let's do an early prediction. Who do I think is going to be the 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 four teams at state? The fourth one's going to be tough because I don't know that I don't know those guys as well. Sectional one, you're looking at teams like Appleton East, Appleton North, Appleton West. I'm not saying I'm just giving going on this. Triple Falls, DC Everest, Clear Memorial, Hortonville, Holman, Hudson, Marshfield, Nina, Oshkosh North, Oshkosh West, Stevens Point, Superior, Wausau West, Wisconsin Rapids. I, it's, I mean, at this point, it's got to be Oshkosh North, Hortonville, or Nina, right? That's those are your three teams. I am, I'm going Oshkosh North, and I, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't feel good about it. I do not feel good about it. I think your sectional semifinals will be Appleton East, Hortonville, Nina, and Oshkosh North. See, Appleton East is still fooling me. There's still, I still have this belief that. This talented team can get it all together, and they have not given me one reason to think that they can. But that's what I'll guess. I'll go. I'll go Oshkosh North in sectional one, sectional two. Uh, I don't need to. I don't need to list off all the names. You got the top teams. You're talking De Pere, Fond du Lac, Homestead, Kakana, Kimberly are in there. Uh, Menominee Falls, King, Sheboygan North, Sheboygan South. Uh, I. I mean, De Pere is obviously. I'm picking De Pere. I don't know anyone. I don't know. I don't, there's not a team that can give them. A, Give him a game. There's just not. There's not a team in that sectional that's going to give him a game. Your your sectional semifinals. Do I get to predict that too? Fond du Lac, De Pere, Homestead. I don't know. I don't know who the fourth team is. Sectionals. Uh, sectional three. Arrowhead, Brookfield Central. You've got the Madison teams in there. I don't even want to pick a sectional semifinals, but I'll tell you that Arrowhead looked good. I watched them the other night. They're missing one of their top players, but Mac Recchi looks really good. I'll go Arrowhead sectional three and sectional four. I don't know. Those are the teams like in Kenosha, Janes, Kenosha, Janesville, um, Oak Creek, Racine. I don't. I don't know those teams. So Waukesha, I think Waukesha is still supposed to be pretty good, but finally, like just beat them. So I don't know. That's you know last year that was the weak sectional. This year it looks to be the weak the weak sectional. So I don't even want to pick a team from there, but I will go Oshkosh North to Piero Arrowhead. So there you go. More bulletin material for Nina. Uh, prove me wrong again, like you have you have all year. That's that's all you can do. Let's move into the college kids. We haven't done this in a, in a few weeks. Well, actually, more than a few weeks because the last podcast was three weeks ago. College kids, let's go. Uh, it's getting short. The list is going to get shorter. That's just the way it is. We'll run through these pretty quick. Seth Trimble made a start yesterday. Uh, Nance was out for North Carolina. So Trimble made a start. In his start, he was uh, three points, three rebounds, four assists. So it is what it is. Trimble's, Trimble's getting 14 minutes a game. He's averaging three points, one rebound, one assist. It's tough. They're they're. Well, they were the number one ranked team in the country to start. That they're not even ranked anymore, but they were number one. I don't, you know. I think again, I've said this before. I think we probably expected more from Seth Trimble. Does not. I guess what it means is he's coming back. He's not going to the NBA draft. He's got another year at North Carolina, which is good. So, uh, Jackson Pavletsky uh, is killing Wofford. He's killing it at Wofford. And I, let me just say this first. I've had people ask me. I do not know a thing. I do not talk to Jackson. I do not talk to Jackson's family. I have no idea what Jackson is going to do. I am merely saying that if I was, if I am reading the room, Jackson Pavletsky is gone and he is transferring. It, it doesn't make sense for him to stay there. So he is a top 10 scorer as a freshman in Division One. He is averaging 14.6 a game, two rebounds, 
for assists. Again, I do not know anything, but I do know Jackson Pavletsky well enough to know that he likes to play. He wants to show that he can play at, the, at a high, high level, the highest level. I would just assume that he will be in a Power 5 team next year. I don't think he's. I don't think it's a top, high, high major team. I think it's middle of the road. I think it's a middle, middle Power 5 team. I, but, I, but again, I, don't, I, I had people ask, and I just want to let everyone know, I do not know a damn thing. It is just my opinion that he will be hitting the transfer portal and he will go to a Power 5 team because that's where he should be playing. He's good enough to play in the Power 5, so he should be playing in the Power 5. Andrew Rohde, speaking of another top 10 freshman score, he is averaging 15.2 points a game. I think both these guys would be like, I think 6th and 7th or 6th and 8th, something like that, as far as scoring freshmen in Division 1. That's that's crazy. That is crazy. Rohde, 15.2 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. Another kid where I would just assume he is going to transfer. I, I just... When you play that well as a freshman, you would you should I would assume you would just want to move up and play with better competition. That just it seems logical to me. Again, I don't know anything about Rody. I've never met his parents. I don't know the kid. It's just my assumption that if he is playing this well and being this successful already as a freshman, he should be playing somewhere else. He should be in a much, much better conference. Max Nelson averaging fifteen minutes a game, four points, three rebounds. Jack Campion, twelve minutes a game. Two points, one rebound, two assists. Stephen Clay, 13 minutes, four points, one rebound. Just, you know, getting spot minutes, spot duty here and there. Uh, the rest of the kids that, that we used to talk about are all redshirted, I believe. I don't know about Danilo. If someone knows about Danilo on Miami, if he's I, assuming he is going to redshirt, he has played two minutes the entire year. So I assume, I, my assumption is that they redshirted him, but I have not gotten confirmation. So I don't, I don't know. But if someone knows, someone, uh, someone shoot me a message on, on Twitter. D2 guys, my boy Owen. He is averaging nine points, three rebounds, and an assist at St. Leo. Still starting, shooting 51% from three. Um, Marcus Tomashek. This is one thing I want to say. So a lot of people who know me be like, oh, you never admit when you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. I was wrong about Marcus Tomashek. Okay, he's averaging 11 points, two rebounds, one assist. Playing really, really well for Michigan Tech. I was not a Marcus Tomashek guy. And if Marcus is listening to this, I was not. I was, I just, I thought he was good, but I, I didn't see it all. And then I saw him play at Holy Cross in a Holy Cross tournament. And now I see what he's doing and I talk to some people. I am I I think Marcus Tomashek is a D1 player. I think he is a D1 player. I have no idea if he's going to be a D1 player. I believe he loves it up in Michigan Tech. But I was wrong about Marcus Tomashek. So for anyone who doesn't think that I, I have all these opinions about certain players and things like that, I will admit when I'm wrong. I was wrong about Marcus. I did not think he was that good, good relative to what, you know, scholarship players. He's good. He If GB was smart, GB would have... The GB would have offered him last year, and he would be playing for UWGB. But they weren't, and they don't have him. So he's, I mean, he's playing right in your backyard. How do you, and I think I've said this on a podcast before, but if they were smart, they would have offered Marcus, and he'd be playing for GB. He's good. He is good. Uh, Tyler Borowski, six minutes at Winona State, averaging about two points a game. Just, again, spot duty. And my boy J.J. Piter over at Lacrosse got a start the other day. Got a start. Was it yesterday or Saturday? I mean, Saturday I think he started. J.J.'s getting about seven minutes a game. Averaging about two points, two rebounds. Again, these are it's tough for some of these freshmen to come in. There's a lot of these, especially at these WEAC schools, they have like 20 guys in the roster, and they always are typically upperclassmen heavy. So it's tough for a guy like JJ to get minutes. But it's good to see that he was starting for whatever reason, and hopefully his minutes start to increase from there. So that's the run of the college kids. We'll try to, you know, obviously want to fit that stuff in as much as possible. It's exciting. It's exciting to watch. Uh, Pav and Rody and see what they do. Rody's team's not eligible for the tournament because they were just transitioning over to D1, 
We'll see if Wofford can get in somehow. I'm assuming they're going to have to win their conference tournament. I can't imagine they'd get an at-large bid. And then the other guys are just, you know, they're getting spot duty here and there, and they're trying to make the most of it. And, you know, obviously as they as they go, as they progress through the next couple of years, their, their playing time will hopefully increase, and and they'll, uh, they'll be playing more. The one thing I wanted to end on, so if you follow me on Twitter, I'd mentioned this within the last few weeks, and I said this is definitely something for the podcast. So if you have not seen the Mo Wagner, Killian Hayes, quote-unquote, fight, or situation that happened in a game. If you go on, if you Google it or go on Twitter and search for it, you can find it. So there's a play. Mo Wagner's running and he's behind Killing Hayes and he just kind of he he pushes, shoves Killing Hayes a little bit. Obviously, Killing Hayes has got momentum, so he kind of falls into the bench, falls into his coaches, and kind of just falls into a chair. Killing Hayes gets up and he hits Mo Wagner in the back of the head with an elbow. Okay, just right in the back of the head. And knocks, knocks Mo Wagner out. So the NBA looks at this, and they handled suspensions, clearly. And I had my opinion of what should happen if I was going to suspend these players. Mo Wagner gets two games. Killian Hayes gets three games. All right? Killian Hayes did something that is illegal in MMA. So the sport where you fight, you can't do what Killian Hayes did. And he only got three fucking games. Three. I thought, and I don't, maybe you guys probably all have your own opinion about. It. I'm assuming most of you have seen it. You most have most of you have an opinion on it. My opinion, right off the bat, was he should be suspended till at least like through the All Star break. Like that is you cannot do that. Again, it is illegal in the sport of fighting to do what Killian Hayes did. You are suspended through the through the All Star break. That was my first initial reaction. You got to suspend him through the All Star break. And as I thought about it more, I thought to myself, you know what? He should probably be suspended through the, the for the rest of the year. Just suspend him for the rest of the year. You are setting such a precedent to this that now, if you get pushed, you can punch someone in the back of the head. That's what the NBA basically told Killian Hayes and the rest of the NBA. If you want to punch someone in the back of the head because you get pushed, you will get three games. I I thought this was a, a this was a spot where you could just you lay down the law and you're like, look, you can't. I get it. You put your hands on someone. I'm not. I I do not subscribe to this narrative where if you push someone. That, that means you should get punched, right? This Draymond Green, Jordan Poole thing, I get it. Oh, Jordan Poole put his hands on Draymond Green. He pushed him. He should have known that he was going to get punched. I don't, that's not the way I, that's not the way, I don't think that's the way we should live life, where if you get pushed, you get to punch that person in the face and knock him out. Nor do I think that if you get pushed, like Wagner pushed Killian Hayes, you get to punch that person in the back of the head. Again, an act that is illegal in the sport of fighting. So I would have been fine with the entire year. I, I would have been completely fine with it. I thought it was a perfect spot to just be like, yeah, we're going to put this, we're going to cut this one out right now. And instead, they give three games. I don't know what this means. I mean, I know what it's going to mean going forward at some point when someone gets pushed, but I don't know how you can do, you can, you can punish someone so little for something that is really, really, really fucking dangerous. Like, Mo Wagner could have been really, really hurt. Not only did he get knocked out, right? You have no idea what happens after knocking someone out was just dangerous in, in, it, in itself. But when he got knocked out and he fell, who knows? Like, he literally, he could have died. He, he, I mean, he could have just fallen face first in the concrete and smashed his head and died. Like, that's legit what could have happened. I know it didn't. And sometimes we punish for the, you know, what, what actually happens, not the, you know, the intent or like that. But he could have died. Again, I know he didn't. And I mean, that's, that's the most extreme case of it all. But I definitely do not think that three games was even close to harsh enough. So I wanted to just talk about it on the podcast because I think it's a I think it's a 
I think it's a, a good topic to discuss, to debate. Again, I, I don't. I, I'm sure all of you guys have had thoughts on what what you would have punished Killian Hayes for. I just thought three games was was very very little. I think it sets a bad tone for any time any kind of little little fights or pushing happens now in the NBA. You've basically told everyone go ahead and throw punches, even if it's at the back of someone's head. So, I said I was going to talk about it on the podcast, so I wanted to talk about it on the podcast because I think it's I think it's something to talk about. So, that is going to be it for the podcast for over and back today. We it's a long one. We got like 30, 35, 36 minutes right now, so that's good. Again, keep on doing these. Hopefully, on Sundays or Mondays going forward, we'll run through the FEA podcast. Anything else in the basketball world? Try to keep track of these college kids that are now playing. You know, two times a week, just like the high school kids. So. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I appreciate it. If you have any comments, you can DM me on Twitter, at Spread and Bread. Uh, the website is theunintentional.com, or you can read the power rankings. Thank you again for listening. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. This has been Over and Back.